This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Kathy Worthington. Today on Late Boomers, we have as our guest, Dr. Efrat Lamandre, known as Dr. E, a nurse practitioner who owns and operates her own family medical practice, EG Healthcare, that serves over 20,000 people a year. Her integrative practice specializes in functional medicine that has a signature process called the new method, and that's spelled K-N-E-W, which we are looking forward to learning more about. And I'm Mary Elkins. Dr. Lamandre also owns a medical scribe company and is the co-chair of Staten Island University Hospital Foundation Board of Trustees. She's president of the Nurse Practitioner Association State Board, is clinical faculty at Wagner College, and is the primary care provider for the City University New York College of Staten Island Athletic Department. Plus, she's an author. Welcome, Dr. Lamandre. Or Dr. E. Thank you so much. Yes, <laughs> or Dr. Dr. E. Or just E. <laughs> what, or just you, e is fine. Thank you. Okay, cool. What was it in your background or perhaps your early influences that led you to embark on such an entrepreneurial medical career? You know, it's, it's funny. I didn't realize I was an entrepreneur. Retroactively, I could see all the signs. And I like to tell this because for those of you who are struggling, so when I was a nurse, I just, I couldn't follow the rules. I, I hated punching in and punching out. I, I was good clinically, but just the rules, I couldn't stand them. I, I didn't like committees. I didn't like having to ask for days off. All of it seemed constricting for me. And then eventually when I opened up my own practice, I look back and I'm like, this is why. I just, even though I work, as you know, as an entrepreneur, you work 50 times harder but you're in control and you're in charge. And so I guess it was always just meant to be. We'll talk about what functional medicine is and about the new method and how this is different from what other doctors practice. Thanks, that's like my favorite question because it really empowers patients, your listeners to know what to ask for. So I started with EG Healthcare, which is a bricks and mortar primary care practice. So just imagine your doctor's office. That's what EG Healthcare is about. And it's wonderful. And primary care serves a very important place in everyone's lives, annual blood work, screenings, et cetera. But then there's a subset of patients who um, fall into two categories. They're either, you know, I don't feel good. Things just feel off, but my blood work keeps telling me I'm fine. Every doctor keeps telling me I'm fine. That's one category of patient. Or the other category of patient is like, okay, well, yeah, I have these issues. I'm taking one or two meds, but is there another way? And it's not really being offered to me. 
And so where do you go? Where do you go? Those two types of patients, where do they go? And it's not that your primary care is evil or mean. It's just that the tools that we learn in primary care, and I used to do the same thing, are limited. They're based on diagnosing a disease and treating with medication. And if you don't fit in that algorithm, there's no room for you in primary care. And again, there's no malice there on the part of doctors. It's just the toolbox we're taught in primary care. So patients who need a little bit more, who want to get to the root cause of why they don't feel good or the root cause of their current disease, will probably do better off looking for a functional medicine provider. And of course, they're welcome to work with us. We work nationally, but as long as they're looking for functional medicine, I want them to know that's what they look for. Because if you don't know that that's what you're looking for, you're constantly going to be frustrated every time you go to a conventional doctor. So don't be, it's like trying to go to an electrician asking for plumbing. It's not going to happen. So functional medicine is about getting to the root cause of what's going on. Talk about the new method then. Okay, so the new method. Yeah. So, So the new method is my design because I come from a place of uh, primary care. And, you know, I had, if I may share a personal story of how I got to this, um, my wife over a decade ago had an autoimmune issue. She had something called PMLE, polymorphous light eruption, which basically means she's allergic to the sun. But yeah, it's crazy, right? You can't go out in the daylight, no picnics, no barbecues, everything. Our life started after five. But believe it or not, we didn't look for anything. We were like, we're fine. We can manage. We're, you know, like many of your listeners, you get the diagnosis, you push through, you do what you have to do. But then she got the second autoimmune, which in her case was psoriasis on her hands and on her feet, which was so debilitating. She really couldn't hold things. And so that led us to search. And so for many of you, it's like that second diagnosis that pushes you to the end or that I've had enough pain. There's something that breaks you and you're like, I need more help. So that's what had us looking. And um, so we went to someone who did functional medicine at the time. And in a moment, I'll get to the new method, but I want to tell you how I got here. And he ran all these blood work we never heard of in school. By the way, my wife's also in medicine. I'm in medicine. All our friends are in medicine. And he was like, oh, you need to stop eating this and that and take these supplements. And we're like, okay, that's crazy. It's not going to work. Psoriasis has nothing to do with nutrition. PMLE has nothing to do with nutrition. Eh, wrong. <laughs> so we did the diet kind of eye rolling and kind of we have nothing to lose. Let's just do it. And everything changed. Her skin cleared up. The PMLE is gone. Her can life she was go in the sun? Can go in the sun. Our life we got our life back. Wow. And so I said, I have to bring this home to my patients. Like whatever the heck this stuff is, I have to bring it home to my patients. And so I went back to school and eventually I got my PhD, which is why I'm a doctor, even though I'm a nurse practitioner. Um, I got my PhD in integrative medicine, but the new method really takes both worlds because sometimes you do need medication. Labs are really important. And integrating both, I like things that are measurable. I like things that are quantifiable. So I created a system where we're tracking not just your labs, not just your weight, but also your symptoms. And that's really important because people who don't feel good, right? You, I just told you that there's a subset of people who don't feel good, but their labs are fine. So why would it help me to track their labs over a year? Nothing's going to change. So I created a system where we're tracking your energy, tracking your joint pain so we can get objective measures of where we started and where we're going. 
So the new method is about combining all of that. Um, so it's creating a system that's trackable and a whole heck of a lot of support because lifestyle changes is not easy. So it's time with me, time with my coaches, you know, personal email time to really help people take control over their health destiny. And I know that was a really long answer. So I'm sorry about that. No, I no. love a long answer. That's a beautiful answer. But following up a little bit, how do you help people who live with chronic pain or chronic fatigue or are struggling with weight problems? Excellent. Um, so it depends on what is causing the chronic pain, the chronic fatigue. So we start with lab work. My lab work that I do is much more than the usual primary care. So I'm looking for genetic markers, inflammatory markers. So mm -hmm. yeah, your primary care labs might be fine. Maybe you don't have cholesterol, diabetes, but do you have inflammatory markers? Like what's happening there? Um, autoimmune markers. We're looking kind of like for the peripheries of what's cooking that may not show up in kind of like these primary care labs, but are giving us hints as to what's happening. Are so you finding that in blood? In the blood? So blood and saliva. Yeah, ah. blood and saliva. Mm -hmm. Saliva, we're testing adrenal fatigue. And depending, and then we put that together with the patient's history. And we're saying, okay, what's the source of the chronic pain? For a lot of people, it's inflammation, chronic inflammation, inflammation over time inflammation over years. And so if we can find the source of inflammation for many people, it's the gut and we heal the gut, then suddenly the aches and pains go away. And, and there are things that don't seem connected. You know, I have people who say, I can't bend down to tie my shoes. Okay. Well, I, without giving you any Celebrex or Tylenol, I put you on an anti-inflammatory. I give you some supplements. My patients will come in a month later. I just remember one particular patient. It's like, this is the first time I could bend down to pick up my wallet. You wow. know, yeah. so the chronic inflammation can cause so many things. And, and we have to, so we try to figure out where the source of inflammation, is it your gut? Is it insulin resistance, right? Maybe you're not diabetic, but are you insulin resistant? And then, you know, sometimes we have to dig a little deeper. Sometimes there's hormones, sometimes there's molds, but that tends to be in fewer cases. Most of the time, it's really just about finding the source of inflammation reverse and calming down the inflammation and patients symptoms just disappear. I mean, don't most people have that problem. Most people are suffering from chronic inflammation in some way, are they not? Yes, exactly. But when you go to primary care, there's no conversation of inflammation. Yeah. Right. So if you're not diabetic, I can't help you. If you have, you don't need cholesterol medicine, I can't help you, but, but, but doc, everything hurts but everything's fine. I'm shrugging my shoulders as if, you know, this is a podcast. Yeah. I'm shrugging my shoulders. <laughs> there's <laughs> so, a visual. There, there's a visual here that everything's fine, but you're right because there is primary care, myself included. We don't test for inflammatory markers because how am I going to help you in primary care? It's not just on the doc, right? So the doc may not be ordering it, but most patients in primary care are not quite ready to make lifestyle changes either. So, it's a disempowering test to run unless you're the type of patients who's ready to be like, okay, well, what can I do about it? Oh, what can you do about it? Well, we're going to remove the sugars from your life and we're going to move the gluten from your life and we're going to move the dairy, right? You know, just saying, for example, yeah. most patients don't want to hear that. Uh -huh. Most patients are like, no, thanks. Let me have my pizza. Yeah. <laughs> so, no more bread or cake or cookies. <laughs> or at least for a, for, for at least for a while. So, 
it's we tend to kind of blame the doc or, or blame kind of like this whole conventional medicine, but it, there's a lot of accountability from the patient. And you need the patient that is ready, who's had enough and is ready to do whatever it takes to feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, you are the president of the Nurse Practitioner Association State Board and a number of other boards and faculties. What's your mission in this? Wow. I don't think anyone's asked me that. Um, (laughs) So I think to answer that, I have to first say that what surprised me when I opened my practice, right? So we all open our business maybe to help our customer or to help ourselves grow. But what surprised me about my business is that I became a platform to empower my team. I never saw that coming because I never thought I'd have a team when I opened up my first office. It was just me and one secretary, right? Now all of a sudden I have like a team of 25 women. And it turns out that you can use your platform to help, help them help people who maybe wouldn't get a job, people who are like post rehab, people who have a record, help women who maybe need a microloan because something happened, their car broke down. And you know that if you're living paycheck to paycheck, that can destroy you and how are you getting to work? So we're creating microloans, helping people go to school. And, the, and suddenly the business became a platform to empower my team. Mm. And that, you know, I was blindsided in a good way. So now that translates to how else can we be impactful with this platform? So going on the board of the hospital allows me to now be impactful for the community because it's, it's the biggest hospital in the community. And there are so many programs that we do and there's a fundraiser. So we just did a fundraiser to, for the children's cancer center. So you're, so suddenly you're creating your connections are now creating our, a platform to, to, to spread good deeds in the bigger sense. Um, the NPA, Nurse Practitioner Association, nurse practitioners in general needed a lot of help with legislation. Um, not every state allows autonomy. New York State recently, um, the legislation changed for nurse practitioners to be autonomous. And that's important because that is about creating access to care for patients who maybe don't have it. There's a primary care shortage in this country. Nurse oh. practitioners and physician assistants are going to be the one to fill that shortage. So empowering them is really important because it's not just about the nurse practitioners, it's about the patients who need access. So it's just this constant, uh, it's, it's a constant way of, I'm constantly surprised at how you can use your platform to spread love throughout the world. So I guess that's the mission, to spread love. That's wow. beautiful. And we heard you have three children. How do you do it all? How do you do all this? Well, they're older now. Um, two are post-college and one's about to go to college. And I have the most supportive wife in the world. Uh, For all you women out there, if you don't have a wife, you should get one. (laughs) (laughs) Good idea. Because women are amazing. (laughs) Um, So I have the most supportive wife in the world and, and, and that's how we do it. And, you know, she supports me in all my endeavors and I support her in all her animal rescues because we have so many animals. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) what do you have? Well, oh my God, it's embarrassing. We have 11 cats currently in our house. Oh my my gosh. Oh my goodness. I told you it's embarrassing. That's a lot of litter boxes. rescuing them. (laughs) Yes. 
they keep, I think at this point, there's like a memo going around from cat to cat in the neighborhood saying, go to this house because they're not going to say no, because they're just walking through our house at this point. So it's oh, really. But what about dogs? Don't have um, dogs? As much as I love our, I would love dogs, but we travel too much. It wouldn't be fair. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on another note, what can we do to prevent Alzheimer's and dementia, especially if we see a parent or grandparent or friend or even ourselves struggle with it? Excellent question. Um, first of all, if you haven't done so already, please go get a test. It's a blood test. It's covered by insurance. It's called APOE. A-T-O-E. Um, no, a, a is an apple. P is in Paul. O. And then E is in Edward. APOE. I'm going to give you a brief explanation of what the results are. Um, it's going to give you numbers, two, three, or four. The population is divided into twos, threes, or four. This is a really basic understanding of it. So if anyone out there is like super smart and, you know, doesn't think I'm being specific, I purposely say things this way. Um, so the population is divided into twos, threes, and fours. The twos are very low risk. They're probably not going to get Alzheimer's. The threes are general population. We're going to come back to them in a moment. And the fours have the genetic predisposition to likely get Alzheimer's. That doesn't mean you're definitely going to get it. It just means you need to work harder and faster. You need to double down. There's no time. So let's put a hole in that for a moment and talk about diabetes because people understand this metaphor better. So if your grandma has diabetes, you're more likely to get diabetes, but you still have to eat your way there. You still have to have the pizza and the beer but you're likely to get diabetes faster because it's in your bloodlines, in your genetics. Conversely, if you don't have your genes, if you eat enough pizza and beer, you will get diabetes, right? So that's kind of like Alzheimer's. Grandma has it, it's in your line, it's in your genetics. If you eat and live a certain way, you will highly likely turn that gene on, but you don't have to. If you make the lifestyle changes that need to, you don't have to express that gene. Conversely, those who don't have the gene, the threes, you're not out of the woods. If you eat messy, you can still get there. In fact, Alzheimer's is called type three diabetes. Oh, so the same. Yeah. And wow. diabetics are about five times more likely to get Alzheimer's than non-diabetics. So that tells you that the same lifestyle that gives you diabetes is more likely to give you Alzheimer's. Uh, now, I've said this on TikTok before, and then of course people are like, well, my grandma had it and she never ate carbs. Of course, there's outliers. So there's outliers, but generally speaking, just like there's diabetics who've never eaten carbs. But generally speaking, if you have the gene, don't have the gene, live as if you're trying to prevent diabetes. Low carb, low sugar, exercise, intermittent fasting, Plant-based, I'm not, I'm not saying vegan, plant-based means have a lot of plants in your life. You still can have some animal protein, but plant-based means eat, eat the rainbow, every color. Um, and and this, this, is the, this, this is the prevention. This is what needs to be done. So if you have the gene, it just means you need to work that much harder and that much faster. But it's this is not, a common test that all doctors can give, or is it is it kind it. of an outlier test that they're going to say, "Why do you want that?" They're going to say, "Why do you want that?" But it is covered by insurance, almost in all cases. Mm -hmm. You just have to ask for it. 
just some doctors that's out of their comfort zone because they don't know how to speak to it. A lot of times your doctors won't order things because they don't know what to do with the results. Oh yeah. So yeah. yeah, so it's a comfort level for them. So you're more likely to get a comfort level from cardiologists from this test because it was initially designed for like cardiac risk. Oh. So you can ask your cardiologist for it. But this is not a crazy fancy like you know, some of these outlier labs. Quest does it, LabCorp does it. So it's yeah. definitely something you can ask for. Sounds great. Thank you for all that info. Yeah. And talk a little bit more about inflammation. What causes it and how can we combat it? Yeah, excellent question. So there's, there's two kinds of inflammation. We need inflammation to stay alive. If you fall down and hurt yourself and your knee gets swollen, that's really important. We need that to get swollen because that brings all the cells that we need for healing. So acute short-term inflammation is critical for survival. So we need that. So not all inflammation is bad. The problem is when the inflammation doesn't shut off, chronic inflammation. I'm achy all the time. I'm bloated all the time. I have headaches. I have brain fog. Brain fog is neuroinflammation. So that's the stuff that creates chronic issues. That chronic inflammation will lead to autoimmunity. Chronic inflammation will lead to heart disease. You know, when you look at heart disease, it's not just cholesterol. 50% of people with heart attacks don't have high cholesterol, but it's inflammation that turns the cholesterol into something, you know, more flammable. So inflammation, chronic inflammation is the problem. It tends to be secondary to eating. The standard American diet is highly inflammatory. Carbs, sugar, um, are super inflammatory. And the fact that we have to eat all the time, we get hangry if we don't eat. We don't have metabolic flexibility, which is something that we gain when we do intermittent fasting. These are all things that cause inflammation for us. Of course, there's stress as well. But if you have a really solid diet and your inflammation is down, you actually can manage your stress better. So I'm going to say, while there are many causes of inflammation, if you start, with your diet, you're probably going to get rid of like 80% of it. Mm -hmm. Well, when you say intermittent fasting, how intermittent? Excellent question. So, right. So let's talk about why intermittent fasting first. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it to be trendy. I'm not do, using it for a hashtag. I'm not, you know, uh -huh. that's not. It does sound kind of trendy. It is kind of trendy, <laughs> especially in Los Angeles. It is Angeles. kind of trendy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm yeah. going to explain why. So depending on what you believe in, God or the universe designed humans in a really cool way. And that is, if you have food, obviously you'll get your glucose. Glucose is what we need to live. But if you don't have food, let's just go ancestrally, you know, we didn't have access to food all the time. There was no DoorDash. Your body is equipped this really cool thing. Your liver can turn to itself, turn to its fat stores, and produce its own glucose. Fancy word for that is gluconeogenesis. So we have the ability to eat or not eat and still produce the glucose that we need for a certain period of time. But we never turn this feature on in modern America because of DoorDash and Uber Eats. So, oh my God, I have to eat. Oh my God, I'm shaky. I'm hangry. Oh my God, if I skip a meal, six meals a day, right? Right. And we, it's real. Like we really feel like if we skip this meal, we're, you know, our head hurts. That just means you're not metabolically flexible. It's like a car that needs to be filled up every block. It's the most inefficient machine ever. 
we want a hybrid model. We want a model. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> we can't go fully yeah. electric because we do need some source of fuel. <laughs> we want a hybrid model. So we want a model that sometimes needs a meal, but if a meal is skipped, you don't get shaky and hungry, you're fine. You could work out, you could do your day. That's called metabolic flexibility. Sometimes I get exogenous, external source of glucose, and sometimes I produce it on my own. And it's a really cool feature. So metabolic flexibility is what you strive for. It's the reason for intermittent fasting is to teach your body, hey, you're not going to get food. You're going to be fine. Go internal and create it for yourself. What happens during this fasting window is magical. It's just magical. This during the time of fasting, during the time of going to your, to your fat stores to, to get the glucose is the most anti-inflammatory you could be. It is a state of ketosis. I try not to use that word because then people think keto and keto has become this like mangled thing of eating a lot of bacon all day. That's not what keto is. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to a state of ketosis, which is reduces neuroinflammation, increases, you know, concentration, reduces brain fog. I mean, it, it, it never ends. And it's certainly part of the protocol for prevention of Alzheimer's, intermittent fasting. So that's the why. So how often and how long is the conversation, of course, for debate, there's all different ways to do it. As long as you get it done, awesome. I'll tell you how we promote it, but honestly, what works for you is great. Um, we like what's called 16, eight, eight hours of eating, 16 hours of fasting. So let's just say I start my meals at 12. I finish at eight. That's my eight hours of eating. And then from 8 p.m. until the very next day at 12 o'clock, there's no eating. You could drink, you can have seltzer, you can have tea, black coffee, you can stay hydrated, of course, water, but you don't eat. That 16 hour is your fasting time. That's where ketosis happens, anti-inflammatory happens. This is where all the ama amazing things happen. And then 12 to eight, you eat. We prefer that you eat good whole foods, not, you know, McDonald's. Um, and that is the intermittent fasting that, that we promote. You'll see an improvement in sleep. You'll just see improvement in, in all that ails you. And yeah, that's, that's intermittent fasting for us in a nutshell. And do you usually teach all your patients to use this every day or just periodically yes. do this for a couple of weeks or what? I would hope you do this for the rest of your life. Hmm. Even if you're on an off day, I try not to say the word cheat days. Even if you're on the off day, let's just say it's Thanksgiving, you know, you're going to eat everything. Try to keep the eating window. Try to at least keep the fasting on those days. Even if your day is not going to be super clean, I try, try to keep it. Is there really a reason we have to eat more than eight hours a day? Like, a, like you don't want a, sh a work shift that's more than eight hours a day. So why do you want your body to be working? Like so, so if you finish eating at eight o'clock at night and then you wait until noon the next day, that's yeah, not that's asking it. a lot of anybody. Yeah, I agree. It's really about kind of getting used to not eating breakfast or sometimes I have real early morning shift people. So they need their breakfast. So then it's getting used to finishing early and not eating till late at night. It's getting rid of that like TV snack time. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, so for some people that's hard. <laughs> Well, and, and yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, well, everybody's different. And since everybody's different, I, I think you might have given the answer via intermittent fasting, but how do we unlock the secret to our own health? Yeah, so 
if you, I don't know if, if any of you can pick up my book, it's, it's called, it's, it's not in your head. And I try to lay it out because nine times out of 10, you don't need me. You don't need anyone. There's some basic things you could do. And then if you're a little bit more complex, you could reach out to me or someone like me, but the secret is intermittent fasting and go slow, please. Like if you've never fasted before, please don't faint. Don't play tennis on a hot day and not drink or eat anything, right? Like go slow, listen to your body. It took me a month to get up to 16 hours. I did 12 hours, 12 and a half, 13. This is, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Take your time to get there comfortably. Intermittent fasting. And then during your eight hours, really, really try to be gluten-free, dairy-free, as minimal grain as possible, as most plants as possible. Meat sparingly, but not zero. Um, and, and, and start there because you'll notice that most of the reasons that you think, oh, I'm hormonal. Oh, this must be, I don't know, you know something else that's going on. You will, you will find out that most of your symptoms that you thought were X actually disappear. So start there. Now, if you do all this, and this is what I do my patients too, even my patients, I'm like, we have to start here. And then if two, three months later, we haven't made enough progress with these symptoms, that's when you go hunting. That's when you explore the hormones. That's when you explore Lyme. That's when you explore mold. That's when you explore food testing, stool testing. But don't start there because you may end up wasting your time and your money. Mm-hmm. Start on the simple stuff. I didn't say it was easy. It was just simple. It's not easy to change your food. Um, and if you feel great, you're done. And my book says, if you feel great, done. Close this book and give it to your friend and you're done. Oh, great. I love that advice. Yeah. And one of your specialties that we've heard about is LGBTQ care. So what is the difference between care in that community versus anyone else? Such a good question. Um, and that's more in my primary care practice. Um, and the difference is creating a space that's comfortable, creating a space that doesn't make assumptions. You know, for example, if you walk in as a female and you're, I'm putting in air quotes, presenting as straight, whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. you know, don't assume that my partner is male. How's your, like, do you have a husband? That's an, like an assumptive question, right? Um, so it's about creating a comfort space that doesn't make assumptions about people's gender or sexual orientation from beginning from, from the questionnaire, which allows for more than male and female options. And the thing is for people, you know, sometimes I have older patients who have no idea what the heck the extra boxes are for. That's fine. Skip it, right? There's nothing offensive about it. If it's not for you, it's not for you. Great. Move it along. But for those who are searching for it, it is so meaningful to have that option. An extra box that says preferred name, an extra, right? So, cause you might have a name that's on your license on your insurance card cause you're in the middle of transitioning, but you have a different preferred name that everyone in your world calls you and you really don't want to be called the old name. So it's a box for that. So, so we start there, you know, we have a small little rainbow flag. It's not a big humongous flag. Some people don't even know what it is, but for the people who are looking for it, they're like, they can exhale, like I'm in a safe space. And then so that's kind of like the admin world, right? And making sure administratively they're comfortable. But then they're clinicians asking the questions, you know, 
what kind of sex are you having? You know, are you a top or a bottom? I mean, these are questions I don't mean to, I don't know where your patients are, but like, we need to know, are you having anal sex? Do we need to give you, you know, H, uh, HIV prophylactic medication called PrEP? You need to be able to be comfortable with these questions. Uh, and and if there's a transgender patient, there's so many other questions that need to, need to happen. And so it's about the comfort level of the clinician. So the clinician is not like stuttering and making the patient feel uncomfortable. So the care, I guess, is the same in that it's just about creating a comfortable environment and getting comfortable with the fact that everyone's different and to not make assumptions in your questions. And if you mess up, to just apologize, because we're all going to mess up, myself included. Just be like, hey, man, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I, I see your preferred name here. I didn't mean to call you this other name. I'm sorry. I'm trying. As long as you're gracious about it and people see that you're trying, that's really all that counts. That's great. It sounds like it incorporates or it causes you to have a lot of extra training for your people you know, the people that work with yeah. you, for you. A lot of I extra mean, it's training. just training to be, is it extra? I no. mean, there's a lot of training of like, it's just kindness, right? It's kindness in different directions. It's but it's kindness, kindness that people wouldn't know unless they were taught that. They might yes, think they're being true. kind. Is, they might think they're being extremely kind, but they're, but they're not perceived as kind, you know? That's difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it is true, right? It is, part, it is part of our training, our onboarding. That is true. Yeah, that's true. Um, getting back to your business acumen, so many <laughs> medical pro professionals just don't have it. You seem to have it. So with your medical scribe company and your medical practice, but what is a medical scribe company? And okay. then also, there are many young people out there who might possibly want to have more, in, uh, have a career in medical entrepreneurship, shall I say. So what advice do you give them? Okay, so medical scribe. So when you are in your doctor's office, um, there is a tendency for your doctor to be charting while you're talking to you. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. I've always hated Constant. That. Constant. Type now, Type. Now the doctor's yeah. not bad. The doctor is a human being that wants to go home and see his kids. He's going to see, he or she has to see 60 patients. And then if they're left charting at the end of the day, they're not going to get home to midnight. So they're not evil. They're humans just like you and I who want to get home. But the patient experience is very uncomfortable because they're typing. It is already a short experience because it has to be <laughs> um, just for the way insurance world. So I, use, so I used to have a medical scribe that came into the room with me. But that was a little limiting because... Um, it has this limitation having another person in the room. But the idea always is that if I don't have to spend time typing while you're talking, I can give you my full attention, my eye contact, eye contact's everything, a touch when appropriate, right? A pause when appropriate, because I'm not worried about charting. The charting gets done at the same time. And then at the end, of course, I review it for accuracy and send it off. So it's, not, it's, it's for efficiency, but it's also really about the patient experience. So what we have now, you know, kind of secondary to the pandemic is virtual scribes. So we walk in with a small device, the scribes are listening, they're transcribing as it's happening and it allows the provider to be fully engaged with the patient and then the charts are written after. So um, the, the company is actually based in India and 
that's another phenomenal empowering story a story of some some women that i met who said they weren't being treated right and i said hey why don't we open up our own company and they were like okay and i was like oh my god i was joking and hawk scribes was born <laughs> that's fantastic yeah and what's really cool is that's an opportunity for women in india to work there are some areas in india where it's not easy for women to work especially at night so this can be done from the safety of their own home their families are there making sure that they're safe and they're able to provide you know money for their family so it's just like an all-around amazing thing so that's the medical scribe company but it's so much less intimidating for the patient not to have a person in the room not to have a person you can tell them somebody's listening and doing that but it's not going to really bother you yeah it's all in the consent forms there's like an awareness that it's happening but it's yeah it's, it's it's not an intrusive at all and everything's super HIPAA compliant and it's it's just a win-win, win for the patient, win for the providers, win for the scribes in, the, in, in India. It's, it's all around just a win. Absolutely. Well, what about uh, your advice to young people who would like okay. to expand my, their reach? My advice to young people is just jump in. Just jump in. People who are, so I teach in, at the local college and I teach about how to open up your business. And I say, when I'm done with this particular lecture, you're either, and I, and I tell them how difficult, like it's going to be about how difficult it all is. You're either going to salivate and say, I don't care how hard this is. I want this so bad. Or you're going to be nauseous and you're going to say, there's no way I ever want to open up my business. One way you're going to know. So if you're the person who every time you hear someone open a business, your heart it gets excited. You just don't even know what to do yourself. And people are like, you're crazy. Don't do it. You're going to have to work hard. Do you know how many businesses fail in the first three years? Blah, 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 yeah. And every time they say that, you're still not scared. Just keep going. Just do it. Because it's a spirit. Some people just have that spirit. And if you have it, embrace it and go with it. And the people who are giving you other advice, it's not that they're bad. They love you but they don't have that entrepreneurial spirit and it's scary to them. So you can't listen to them. Mm. You have to listen to other, find other entrepreneurs and just go. I love that. Yeah. And can you tell us all about your book? It's not in your head. That's the title. It's not in your head. head. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. So it's so many of my patients have come in after seeing a plethora of other providers and are constantly being told it's your hormones, it's your weight, or suggested that it's in your head. Maybe you're just anxious about your health. Maybe you need some, you know, anxiety medications, not against anxiety medications, but that's not the issue. But they're being told one way or the other that's in their head because there's nothing wrong with you. Your labs are fine. So they come in and we do what's called a discovery session where I go over their blood work and their saliva and all their questions. And I show them that they're not crazy. I show them in black and white what's going on. And time out of time, again, my patients say, I can't tell you what a relief it is to know that it's not in my head, to know that I'm not crazy. Like tears in my office, this feeling of being validated. And sometimes they're like, I can't wait to, because I give everybody a little folder. To sh- he's like, I can't wait to show this folder to my husband, my wife, whatever's going on, my parents to let them know I'm not not lazy. I'm not crazy. Like I'm, there's a reason why I'm like this. And that messaging from my patients led me to the title to let you know, it's not in your head, you know, and there's a reason why you feel this crappy. And then I walk them through the reason I explain the information. I give the tips of how to get started. 
and I let them know when more is needed, kind of what I said earlier. And that's what the book is about. It's about trying to help you, you know, get it, start. You could start without being in your office. Exactly. Your, office, your office is not convenient to everybody on Staten Island, right? <laughs> well, my, or in my LA. Is, so I have a lot of patients in California. My new method is national. New method mm-hmm. national. Primary care is local. That's insurance-based and it has it, its needs. Um, but the new method is national. We have we have people all over the country recently, even Utah, which was surprising. Our reach has been uh, very interesting. Mm, so good. you don't have to be in New York to work with us. Fabulous. That's, great. That's such a great takeaway. Thank you so much, Dr. E. <laughs> My pleasure. Our guest today on Late Boomers has been Dr. Efret Lamandre, medical entrepreneur, founder of The New Method, that's K-N-E-W, president of the Nurse Practitioner Association State Board, and so much more. You can listen to her podcasts and see her on YouTube, and you can reach her at the new method, that's K-N-E-W method.com, or find her under the new method on all social media platforms, including TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. That's true. And I look forward to to hearing from each and every one of you. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Thank you. And we ask that our listeners follow us on Instagram on our Late Boomers account and individually at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins. And if you have a contact for someone you'd like us to feature on Late Boomers, please drop us a line on our website, lateboomers.biz, B-I-Z. And thanks again so much, Dr. E. Yes, thank you. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact. Calling all speakers. E-Women Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. 
My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.